Hello, this is Patty Davis. I'm a psychic medium and intuitive, and I'm coming to you from Humboldt County, which is in Northern California, where the redwood trees meet the ocean. Aloha, my name is Jude Lynch, and I am a psychic intuitive energy healer, hailing from the island of Kauai, the garden island of the Hawaiian island chains. Welcome to Spirit Speakers Podcast, where we meet to discuss a variety of topics from two different psychic vantage points. Hello and welcome. This is Patty. And on this podcast, June and I are going to be answering some questions that were sent into us for our one year anniversary. Woohoo! So right off the bat, thank you to all of you that sent in questions. And something very interesting happened. We have had more than one person contact us that said that they felt very nauseous when they listened to our ET episode. So we have some questions about ETs, and we are going to save those till the end of this podcast. So if you are one of those people that are uncomfortable listening to us talk about ETs and aliens, etc., this way you can just shut it off towards the end. And everybody else, you're welcome to join us on that part of the conversation as well. So let's go ahead and get started. Hi, Jude. How are you doing? Hi, Patty. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. I can't believe it's been a year. That went by fast. That did go by fast. And we talked about this in our introduction, but how we started this is Jude and I would get on the phone pretty late at night and talk about psychic events and things that we had come across. And one day, I don't remember if it was Jude or I, one of us said, we should totally do a podcast. And we just kind of laughed it off. And Both of us are kind of the anti-procrastinators, so we jumped on it and started it, and that's how it began, and we had no idea anybody would really listen to it, and we've gotten such great feedback that we're super excited to have been doing this for one full year. Yeah, I think we were, oh, maybe a few people listen. I'd be happy if 50 people listened, and uh, we had such a great turnout, it kind of just made us realize how valuable this work is and how needed this information is. So we really appreciate all the listeners. And um, I just want to say, you know, this is probably the longest stretch this particular episode since the last episode. And that was my fault because I missed the recording date and left Patty high and dry. And so we're a little bit late and a few of our listeners reached out and they were like, is it missing? Did I miss it? Where's the download? I'm trying to be patient. So even that made us feel super good (laughs) that people were looking forward to actually listening to us. So we are just so appreciative of the community of listeners and people who are really trying to stretch their perspectives open and look for validation and look for guidance on their spiritual journeys. And I would like to give a shout out to Jude for editing. Jude is such a good editor. And there's so many times when we're in the middle of this podcast and we're like, ah, blah, 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 blah. Or we throw out a couple F-bombs or something and she has to edit things out and (laughs) make it all make sense. More than you would expect. (laughs) (laughs) She does a really good job. So thank you, Jude. Something I want to say that I think is hilarious is, you know, Jude edits this and then she sends it over to me to listen to and okay before we, you know, put it out there for everybody to listen to. And it's so funny because I'll be sitting there listening to it and I'll be like, whoa, that's really interesting. And then I'll catch myself and be, wait, that's you talking. Or wait, that's you and Jude. You were in that, you are part of this conversation. So I kind of feel like sometimes 
part of our episodes end up being channeled. And when I hear it, it sounds like I'm hearing it for the first time. Does that ever happen to you, Jude? Totally. I'll say stuff and I'll be like, dang, that was really insightful. Or wow, that was really good advice. I need to listen to myself sometimes. Um, I, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's so nice because instead of being like, oh, I sound weird when I said that, or, oh, my voice is annoying. It actually has been a really positive, uplifting experience for me. All right. So let's start with our first question. And I'm not going to put names to these because I'm not sure who would like their name or who's doing this anonymously. So the first question is, any tips on grounding and meditation? Do you prefer guided meditations? Do you have any favorites or do you like to switch it up? Good question. I wonder if Patty and I differ on this. I have a few opinions about it. When I first started learning to ground, I really appreciated a guided meditation. And Patty offers some guided meditations on her website that you can find. But other than that, there's a lot of resources online. YouTube is a great place to go. I often recommend that to my clients because everybody's tastes are different. People like different kind of music. People like different voices. Some people want a 20-minute meditation. Some people want a three-minute meditation. So I feel like exploring and finding what works best for you and what feels good for you is the best route rather than me just offering one specific one. It might not vibe with you the same way it vibes with me. After I went through a few guided meditations, I felt like I had a handle on it. And now I just do my own very simplistic, bare bones grounding technique. Like I don't use a lot of intense imagery or long drawn out stories. Like sometimes grounding can be climbing down from the mountain and going down to the river and diving into the pool. I mean, there's a lot of different types of grounding meditations. For me, I'm just grabbing onto that light that is far above my crown that I consider to be connected to source. I'm drawing that down through all of my chakras and anchoring it into the earth. And once I got comfortable with that, and once I became attuned to what the specific frequency of being grounded felt like, now I can just drop right into grounding very quickly in a matter of a few seconds. But it takes practice. It's like tuning your radio dial. Once you know what station you're on, you can grab that station really quickly. You recall from memory. And um, that's essentially how I ground. What about you, Patty? This is a great question. I listened to a lot of guided meditations when I first started meditating, and they really helped me. And, and we talked about this on our grounding episode. I feel like the more you do it, the more it kind of imprints on you so that you can pull that feeling up instantaneously without having, like you said, to go through a full scenario of, of visuals to get there. For me, I personally, I don't really use a lot of guided meditations. I kind of want to be able to go where I need to go. And sometimes in guided meditations, they can start you on a pathway, which can be really helpful. For me, I usually jump off that pathway and want to go in the direction that spirit's taking me. So I personally don't use a lot of guided meditations, but I do think guided meditations are great to start with. I have been to gatherings and retreats and things where I certainly have really enjoyed guided meditations and have gotten a lot out of it. So I agree with you, Jude, that it's kind of personal preference. I do want to bring up though, early on, I was teaching a class and Jude was in the class. It was a chakra class and I had done a guided meditation and we got done and she looked at me and she kind of laughed and she's like, did you fall asleep during the meditation? Do you remember that? 
And I said, did I fall asleep? I was talking the entire time. And, and, and Jude's like, no, you weren't. Did you fall asleep? And everybody looked at her like, what the hell, Jude? So you, Jude, just took off and did your own thing, even though I was talking. I, I vaguely time. remember that every time you led me in a guided meditation in those earlier years, I think I would just slip out very quickly. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and fly around the room. I remember Ooh. saying, Jude, you have to stay in your body. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I wanted to bring up, though, that recently in the past few years, and I've talked about this a little bit, is drumming. I have um, worked with a shaman who does a lot of drumming, and drumming is really grounding for a lot of people. Also, chanting, singing music. So your options are not either guided meditation or quiet meditation. There's so many different things out there. Sound meditations. So exploring, you know, getting on YouTube, getting on people's websites and exploring and finding what you need. Sometimes if you're just too anxious, you have too much going on, a guided meditation, chanting or music can really help kind of take over for you and help you drop in. You know, Patty was so much more advanced than me, specifically in the grounding realm. When I met her, I was completely ungrounded. The first thing she told me was you have no grounding, zero grounding you need to ground. <laughs> the guided meditations are really great for beginners because some of those guided meditations take you incrementally, very slowly, and they keep you focused on the visualization. And so that's why they can be really valuable for people who really don't know how to get there. It kind of takes you there really slowly rather than just dropping you in very quickly. And I really do appreciate the guided meditation still to this day in group settings because it's always kind of fun when you come out of a group guided meditation and for everybody to share and compare. Sometimes when we're all being guided to the same space, it's interesting to see what similarities or differences we get amongst the group. Uh, but I agree with you. Once I got a hold of grounding or anything that I would need a guided meditation for, I prefer not. I prefer being free of and exploring I agree. And another thing is if you are a person that's not particularly visual, that's where a lot of guided meditations takes you through a visual meditation. So that's where, again, exploring other things, um, you might come across something that works better for you personally. And back to the sound aspect of it, I like to meditate with music. I mean, I can meditate without it, but I prefer because I feel like the music sort of carries me along and draws me into my own meditation. And there are certain instruments that are more adept to helping you ground specifically uh, percussion instruments, rattles, drums, didgeridoos, things of that nature. So that is definitely a, a great tool to help pull you into that frequency. I personally have a hard time meditating to music or sound. You know, I just start thumping my feet and kind of dancing in my chair. And it, it's very... <laughs> It brings me into the present moment, which isn't always what I want when I'm meditating. However, when I've had sound healings for you, I mean, with you, when you've done sound healing with me, it's an easy way to let go and allow the music to take me where I need to go. But if I'm just meditating alone to music, I have a really hard time with it. Yeah, I've met people who really do not care to have any music at all when they're doing any kind of spirit work or spiritual cleansing, which... There you go. It's different for everybody. There's no one right way to do this, and there's no one specific path. I think it's just unique to everybody, and those are kind of the pathways that Patty and I have used. So hopefully that helps you all 
in your grounding practice. So for our next question, do you try to actively participate in your dreams while they are happening? So lucid dreaming is what I'm guessing she's asking. And she states, I have been receiving number sequences and have been writing them down, but don't know what to think of them. 1240 is the most recent sequence. Well, first of all, lucid dreaming, do I actively participate in my dreams while they're happening? On occasion. I'm not a disciplined practitioner of lucid dreaming, and I've actually wanted to be more proactive about it and do the exercises and try to get into a space where I'm constantly doing it. I just haven't done it yet. But I am a lucid dreamer and I can catch my dreams and I can actively participate in them on occasion, which is always really fun. I don't have any specific technique that gets me there. It just kind of accidentally happens. (laughs) Like I'll catch something in my dream that I'll be like, oh, that doesn't make sense. I'm like, oh, I'm dreaming. And I'm like, yay, I'm dreaming okay, cool. Now I can start making things happen. Usually the first thing I do is start flying or levitating or something like that. Sometimes I like to try to go into the past, like go to Egypt or go see dinosaurs or go to other parts of the world. I've even flown into the future before, but I don't seem to be able to hang on to it particularly too long. What about you, Patty? Are you a avid lucid dreamer? I think I'm right there with you on this one. I don't spend a lot of time setting the intention around dreams. I do occasionally, but I don't work on practicing lucid dreaming. I just occasionally will have really lucid dreams. Often when I get into a situation during a dream where I'm uncomfortable, it'll switch into a lucid dream and I'll be able to say to myself, you know, oh, you're dreaming, you have control over this and I'll, I'll switch the scenario or, or move things a little bit, but it's not intentional and I don't work on it. We're lazy dreamers. <laughs> I just want to sleep. <laughs> yeah, I think that's and not how wake I feel. up at three thirty-three every single night. <laughs> right. I have two kids and a lot of things going on. By the time I hit the sheets, I'm like out. I'm like, oh. But the question about number sequences. Now, I've definitely had some windows of time in my life where I felt like I was getting number sequences, and I always took that as a sign to trust in the process. And usually what I've noticed is when I start getting a lot of number sequences is when I'm in a really high stress point, when things are kind of colliding and I'm feeling a lot of pressure in my life in different ways. And then I get these number sequences over and over and over again. And it's almost like spirit is trying to say, it's all part of the plan. It may be difficult right now, but just trust in that flow. And it kind of calms me down every time I will see repeating numbers and it I'll, I'll get them in these chunks where it'll happen for a number of days or a number of weeks and then it'll die out and it'll be done. So as far as specific numbers and what they mean, I'm not a numerologist, but there is a lot of information out there about number sequences and hey, I'm not going to say it's right or wrong. I feel like if you look up a number sequence and you get a message, that is part of that divination right there. What you saw was what you were meant to see, and that is the interpretation. So go with it. I agree with you on on the number sequences, Jude. Like I just mentioned, I, I tend to wake up every night at 3.33. And if I look up 
and I see an 11-11, I just get a little smile on my face. Or if I see a number sequence that just kind of moves me, I feel like it's just spirit, like you said, reminding us that there's magic in the world and to pay attention and to kind of take a moment and breathe and allow yourself to be in the present. I feel like it's a little bit of stop, take a breath, pay attention. Now, since she is getting one, two, four, zero over and over, Again, I am agreeing with you that I would go see a numerologist or I would go see a psychic and ask them what that means specifically for you or um, just meditate on it and ask spirit to explain that to you or give you a little more information on it. That would be my suggestion. Yeah, I think it's just a lot of things in the spirit world. There's no one easy answer. 1240 could be a date. It could be a time. It could be an age. it It could be all kinds of things. And it might have some significance to that specific person in a way that we might not know. But it's really, I feel like it caught your interest. It intrigues you. It gets you thinking. It gets you searching. You're stretching your perception more. And maybe that simply is the purpose, is to keep your mind activated and keep you open in your spiritual quest of understanding. And simply that could be the purpose. Yes, and uh, Spirit just suggested that you look up the year 1240, what was happening there, because I'm getting a past life hit, that there might be some kind of parallel or some reminder or something, uh, some meaning there. So I would look up the year and find out what happened, what was going on in 1240. All right, so we had someone just saying that they would like us to cover these things in future episodes. Um, One of the things I mentioned were Lemurians, and we are going to be doing, I believe, our next podcast on Lemurians. So that's something to look forward to. Fairies, any sort of motherly beings, ways to tap into that energy, nature spirit, elementals, and ways to find your calling in light work. These are all wonderful topics, but Jude and I both agree that these are all topics that we're going to cover. We need a whole episode to really go into them. So those are things we'll be talking about in the future. And the next question is, how did we discover our path? And I think we both have talked a little bit about this on our introduction. For me, I grew up in a psychic household, so that was part of my everyday life. However, when I became a mother and my children would be going on a field trip, I would have these sensations of worry. And I was really confused on whether they were just a mother worrying about their child or if it was a psychic hit and something that I should pay attention to. You know, I didn't want to be telling my kids they couldn't go all the time just because I was, you know, just being a mom and worrying about them. So that's when I really started working with a teacher and going a little bit deeper into this. And it came to one day, I was an artist. I had an interior design business and I was really wanting to do more with my psychic abilities. And I was doing, you know, pro and con lists on all of these. And I just offered it up to spirit. It's the first time that I've really fully been able to let something go and offer it up. And I just asked spirit to guide me on where I was supposed to go. And I threw it over my shoulder and I let it go. And within about two to three weeks, I had a business started and it started to unfold. So for me, I really feel like spirit totally guided me in this direction and opened that door for me. And that's how I discovered my path. I think some people are just wired and designed to do this work. I clearly remember when I was 19, and I've talked about it before, when I had my big kind of awakening, psychic awakening, I remember in those first weeks, I would say, I had a very deep and strong knowing that I was supposed to do something with this. 
with the things I was seeing, but I didn't know how to, and I didn't know what it was for. But the voice I kept hearing over and over again was saying, this can't be for nothing. Why would I be experiencing this? What is the point of it? It felt like it must have a purpose. I didn't really translate that into being a psychic or a guide in any way. I just knew that there had to be a reason why I was seeing these things when other people weren't. So that was that. But then it took me, obviously over a decade to get to the point where I was actually doing this work. And I had tried everything. And I'm telling you everything outside of being a psychic. I've tried. I've opened up all these businesses, did all these projects, and each one of them had little to no or mild success. And finally, when I embraced the path of doing what I'm doing now, everything just lined up. And I didn't really have any difficulty growing my practice. So it just was what it was supposed to be. And I know that there's a lot of people out there that know that they have gifts and would like to do what we do and want to pursue that. And I believe that's very much possible. I don't think that you have to be chosen in some divine way. I believe that you can assert that you have a gift and pursue that. I think there's way more available these days than there was when I was younger as far as finding reputable teachers and mentors and things like that, or simply just even having a podcast like ours, like just didn't even exist when I was younger. And that could have just the information we give on this podcast would have helped me tremendously. So my path, yeah, I agree, was divinely guided by spirit. And I can't say that I made a definitive choice at any moment to do this. I met Patty and she kind of chose it for me. <laughs> I the literally the first day I met you and I was like, I know that I'm very psychic, but I don't know what to do with it. And you were like, you're coming with me with this party that I have booked this week and we're going to do readings for all these ladies. And I was like, what? I've never given a reading in my life. Like, I don't even know the first thing about it. And you were like, no, you'll be great. Come on, let's go. And so Patty just- <laughs> And you were great. <laughs> literally threw me in the water at like a, not a big event, but there was like a number of people. It wasn't just a private thing. I think it was like a spa day and all these women were coming in and everybody was getting these little mini readings. And she just tossed me in a room with somebody and said, have a go at it. And I was like, wow, so nervous. But uh, yeah, I think I realized, wow, I do have something here. But it took me a while to accept I'm not one to be pushed. I like to blaze my own path. So Patty gave Sorry. me the first, <laughs> she gave me the first nudge because she believed in me and she was right. I had an amazing reading last week with a woman who is extremely psychic and gets tons of information and it's not her path. Just because you are psychic, just because you see things, just because you are extremely intuitive or even mediumistic doesn't necessarily mean that you have to do something professional with it. It can be a gift that just helps you on whatever other path you're choosing right now. And so for me, even a path outside of psychic work, when you find something that just seems to align everything within you and just feels right and feels like you're walking your walk and speaking your truth, that is when you know you're on your right path. And sometimes we have to do a lot of exploration before we get there. 
there's a divine timing piece that it'll happen when it's supposed to happen. But I would really suggest trying to get out of your head and throwing it up to spirit and asking for assistance in finding that. Right. I'd have to agree. And all the things that I've pursued in my life, it wasn't until I got into dedicating 100% of my time towards this specific kind of work did everything just just move so smoothly and open up in a really great way for me. And everything else I did felt like it had hurdles. And uh, when it's not in alignment, it's not in alignment. And you got to listen to that and just take a pause, take a break, do some more self-learning, do some more inner work, and then try, try again. And when it's right, it'll flow. Agreed. Okay, Jude, I think this one's for you. Is it possible to be continually drawn to someone that you cannot have because they were your soulmate in a past life? And if so, how do you channel those feelings as to not disrupt your current relationship? Ooh, scandalous. <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's tricky, especially being somebody who's intuitive, psychic, I recognize people that I know from past lives all the time, and it can be a very exhilarating feeling just as if it would be if you saw somebody you hadn't seen in a long time, friend or lover or whatever. It's like you get excited when you haven't seen somebody in a long time, and it's a very tantalizing and uplifting and stimulating experience energetically to experience that, to experience soul recognition. Sometimes that can be misconstrued as a romantic connection. And it's hard to say because sometimes I've done readings for people and they've brought something like this up. And I'm like, surely you guys have traveled with each other in other lifetimes, but they were your brother or they were your sister or they were um, your mother in another lifetime, and it wasn't necessarily always lovers. And then sometimes, yeah, we do see lovers, but it's lovers that you've incarnated with so many times, and there's so much karma built up that spirit is like, trust me, this is somebody you're meant to see, but you don't want to dive into this unresolved karma with this person, and they're trying to save you from being with them. But it's kind of a nice, like, recognition as souls are passing. So I would say if it is not an alignment for you to be with somebody, you have to trust it. You do not know what you are being saved from or what you are being guided away from as far as, you know, we want to fantasize about how great something could be, but that's not always the story. And if you look back at every relationship that you've ever had, all of them have highs and lows. None of them are perfect. And no matter what path you take, you're bound to kind of dip down into some of those heavier places with another being, lover or friend or family member, or whatever it may be. So if you are not in alignment to be with somebody, I just cannot stress it enough. Trust it, trust it, trust it. I get that there can be a little bit of an obsession about somebody when you feel this kind of lifting energy, especially if the relationship you're in is not filling you in that way. A lot of the times, I think another reason that happens is because where you are depleted in a specific relationship in the areas that you're not being fulfilled, if somebody comes around your vicinity in your energy field that has the qualities to fill those gaps for you, that can be very attractive to somebody. And that might be what it is. They're just in alignment to fill the voids that you are missing, but 
doesn't necessarily mean they're going to fill all the spaces that your current partner is able to fill for you. There's always a given and a take with everybody in every situation. So I also feel like a lot of those times, there's a bit of a moral test that is being laid before you too on a soul level. Are you weak enough to succumb to the physical gratification of a lusty encounter with somebody? Or are you an integrous person and choose selflessly? Because if you are intended to be with another being, this life is but a bat of an eyelash. There is karma that will incur if you cheat on your spouse or your partner. I really don't condone that kind of energy. I know it happens and I know there's reasons for it and there's purpose for it in some ways, but I also believe you should weigh what the energetic consequence is or what the energetic burden that you'll take on for making a choice. And so in a way, I feel like sometimes the universe presents us these situations to see where we stand in our strength of spirit and in our integrity and our moral value. And in a way it is for us to prove that we are stronger than to uh, succumb to physical temptations and things like that. So once again, I don't think there's any one real direct answer, but that's kind of how I see it. How about you, Patty? Again, asking for clarity and meditating on it. You know, there, and, and I agree with, with your morality, Jude, but there are times when we're with the wrong person and we're just like, oh shit, I'm supposed to be with this person. And then there are times when just that recognition or that comfortability or, you know, feeling like you're being fully seen because it's somebody that you've had a past life with, but they're not supposed, you're not supposed to play out that relationship in this life, it can be pretty tricky and pretty complicated. And I think the only way to really answer that is to really sit with it, to really connect with your spirit guides and spirit and ask for clarity. You're right, Patty. I definitely see that too. Sometimes you're just with the wrong person and somebody else coming along can make that abundantly clear to you that the partner you're with is not a healthy relationship and is dragging your vibration down. And maybe that's just like the clue at that point that you need to break from that. I just like to lead people into doing it in the best way possible with the highest integrity. Yes. (laughs) But, um, you know, I do have clients that have been parts of longstanding affairs and, At first, I probably had a little bit of a harsher perspective on it, but I can see how this plays into what their specific karmic paths are within their soul group, and I get it and I understand it. I just think that there's always a better way. That's just how I am. All right, next question. I have created an altar space for someone that passed away and was unable to sleep well that night awake from three to four and chest filled with anxiety. Any advice to block this? Well, my first obvious response to that is you should maybe think about taking down the altar because an altar is essentially a portal of communication to spirit. You're basically inviting a spirit into your space and maybe you're just sensitive. Not that I think that all spirits have bad intentions, but you are dealing with different frequencies that you're inviting into your space and you just might be sensitive. Taking down the altar would probably be a good suggestion. You can honor a spirit without having to have an actual altar and or portal in your home to invite that spirit in. 
The other thing I would do, of course, is just ask your your spirit guides, ask your angels and spirit guides to protect your home and only allow spirits that are loving and have your best interests at heart to only be allowed into the home and see if that shifts anything, if you really want to keep that altar up. Patty, do you have any suggestions? I will throw in that being awake from 3 to 4 a.m. with chest filled and with anxiety, 3 to 4 a.m. is kind of the bewitching hour. That's when a lot of portals are open, the veil is thin, and that's why a lot of times people wake up regularly during that time or they experience some type of phenomenon during that time. For me, when I wake up in the early hours, I tend to go into a meditation because I feel like something's tapping me on the shoulder and trying to get my attention. So that may be why you woke up between three and four in the morning. And the thing with altars is, you know, we can send love and light to someone and wish them to have a lovely passing and make an altar. And that's the intention that we're setting. Or we can make an altar, which opens up, like Jude said, a portal or a connection with that person. And oftentimes spirits will come and connect with whoever is the most open. And if you're sending someone love and light and you're open and they're looking to connect with something on the earthly realm, they're going to come through. So whenever setting up an altar, I think it's important that you really establish clear intentions on what you're doing with that. And like Jude said, if your intentions aren't working, then I would take down the altar and just send them love and light and close that door. Unless you enjoy chatting with them and want to connect. You know, one of the things that pops in my mind when I'm thinking about this is the state of the specific spirit in which you are making the altar for. Are they fully crossed over into the light or are they still earthbound? I think that would make a difference if it was somebody earthbound that saw you putting up that altar and felt like you were trying to make contact, they may come in a little bit close to you thinking that you wanted that, not aware that their frequency, their vibration is in that earthbound state, which can feel very low and very heavy and it's quite siphoning to people who are still living. So it's probably unintentional. I could see that being something that might happen. But if they've fully crossed over into the light, I would like to think that they wouldn't lower the vibration into a place of anxiety. But like I said, a altar portal that does not have a clear boundary or definition as to what it is. And it is simply inviting spirits. You might just need to do what Patty said and be really clear about what the intention is. Great. Okay. On to the next question. Mental illness and entities, are they related? There's a shamanistic view of mental illness. And if you Google it, you might be able to actually find it. There's been a few really good articles written on it. That it is a belief that mental illness is just someone that's extremely open. If, for instance, you take schizophrenia, these are individuals that hear voices. Well, a lot of us that have had psychic experiences have heard voices. I hear voices all of the time. So it comes down to boundaries and the ability to shut that off and decipher what is coming in on your behalf and what you're just picking up. You may be picking up on static, on just everything that's going through. I truly believe if we could hear and see everything that's out there, it would be really difficult to have a normal human life because there's so much and we have to really have good boundaries on what's coming in so that we can have a connection with the present and where we are. So people that are extremely sensitive, people that are very empathic, people that don't have very good boundaries around what's coming in can get to a point where they're overwhelmed 
psychically and that their crown chakra and their third eye are just really extremely open and they don't have much of a filter and that can be seen as mental illness. Now, when you're open and perceiving a lot of information coming in to the point of overwhelm, you can also pick up on negative energies such as entities. There are you know, things out there that we can connect to that are very helpful that we can utilize to help this life be easier. And there are things that we can connect to that sabotage that feeling of well-being. And Jude, I'm sure you have a lot to say about this. I do. <laughs> yes. Um, it's interesting too, because it's, it's something that's been in my mind a lot, maybe more in these last few months, you know, the further along I get in life, the more clear people's auras are to me, whether or not I'm trying to look at them specifically. And I have noticed certain patterns with people who have mental illness, maybe schizophrenia or other. I've noticed that there's a different way that their energy runs. I think one of the first things to understand is there are multiple dimensions varying from very, very low and very dark to very high and very bright. And when we are in tune or we are in sync with specific frequencies, entities and beings within those frequencies can appear to us in almost physical manifestations. So when I'm speaking to earthbound spirits, I'm kind of tuning my frequency into theirs. And then that makes them very visible to me where touch will feel physical and voice will sound very audible. I can be right out of phase with that frequency where they'll appear more translucent or sounding like they're more telepathic in that conversation. And that goes with every dimension. If I'm dealing with really dark entities or with high vibrational beings. Now, when it comes to some people with mental illness, what I've noticed is there's an actual crack in their third eye crown area. It looks like a split. And the way I see that is there is no barrier between them and these multi-levels of dimensions. And if they can't keep their frequency high, for example, if you're cracked open to all dimensions and you're being targeted by some lower level entities, that's going to keep your vibration low. And so a lot of people with mental illness get dragged down and it's very draining and very siphoning. So you got to imagine their frequency is being pulled down to this very dark place. And that's why they're having a lot of dark experiences, paranoid delusions and whatnot. And in my perspective, I believe they're actually seeing things, but they're locked in dimensions that are so out of phase with their physical reality, it's hard for people to understand what they're experiencing. So on one hand, it's not directly related to spirits. I do think that they're something within the energy matrix that could be part of the problem, but would open them up to spirit. And if you are vulnerable to spirit, yes, spirit could take over. It could be like a possession situation. I think that could be part of it. I also believe that there's something about the personal psyche within. I've also read people who, if you've ever heard the term of soul retrieval, it's an actual thing from my perspective that I've seen where traumatized parts of people's soul fraction off and get locked within their auric field. And if the trauma is deep and intense enough, it could be very hard to access and find. And so those fractions of somebody's soul that get locked away, if enough of that has happened, they can become so disjointed as they grow into adulthood or later in their life that 
they're essentially not whole. And there's pieces of them that are locked into these different uh, mentalities and maturities and emotional behaviors because of that. And so that's another way that I've seen it as well. It's not specifically just spirits. Spirits to me are a component of it. So just because somebody has mental illness, I don't necessarily think it's specifically a spirit possession. I'm definitely not an expert on it. I'm not trying to give medical advice by any means, but I have noticed patterns and I do find it curious. You know, we'll see as time goes on if I get more experience in that realm and am able to come to some more solidified conclusions as to what that is. But I believe all ailments, physical, mental, spiritual, all of it comes down to energetics and whether or not the energy is flowing correctly and if there are blocks or breaks within the auric field. And that's what everything comes down to for me. So somebody wrote in, why am I affected by places I stay? For example, I stayed in a house two years back and got very depressed and the depression faded away after I left. And even though I am now in a completely different place in my life, I stayed there again recently and those negative feelings returned. Do places have energy and how do we block it? Patty? This is a great question. And yes, 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 yes. Places have energy and it comes from all different sources geographically, whatever is happening in the actual earth beneath that place can be affecting the energy there. There could be earthbound spirits visiting that had lived in that home before. There can be spirits that are just passing through that were somehow stuck in that space. There could be energy left over from personalities or negativity from people that live there. There could be an energy from people that are living there right now. There can be energy in furnishings that are there. Um, it can be in the middle of a vortex or a portal. There are so many reasons why somebody could be picking up on a negative energy in a home. So first of all, it's wonderful that you were able to associate your negative feelings with this house. So many people walk through life feeling these things and not knowing where they're coming from and not knowing if it belongs to them or if it belongs to somebody else. So recognizing that is the first wonderful thing that you did. And then rather than blocking it, it's protection protection from what is going on that is not serving your higher good, that doesn't feel good. I like to clear out the energy around me, put a safety bubble around me. And then when I feel safe, I like to connect with what that is, ask them what's going on and try to move that energy. Yeah, I totally agree. Another thing that popped in is maybe there's a past life memory in the house. Oh, That's something. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've had experiences with clients where that very well may have been a thing. Like, in fact, Patty, I think I went through that with you when you went to. Oh, France. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think that happened with Patty when she went back to France, she got really sick. And I think it was just past life energies coming back. She was just in a, a field of frequency that was familiar to her from many lifetimes ago where she had a very traumatic experience. Right, Patty? Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that. True. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it could be any number of things, but as Patty said, the recognition is the first thing that there is something outside of you that is happening. And so what I would do is just prior to entering a space like that and third times the charm always with me. The first time it's weird, the second time it's like, okay, 
there's something going on. The third time you come in more prepared. And so if you ever go back to that place, it's just before you step in, you raise your frequency, you carry in that light, you ask your angels and your spirit guides to come in and assist you in cleansing it out. And I believe that we have the power to shift the energy of anything. I think some things might be a bigger cleansing project. Some things are pretty on the surface and pretty easy. But if you believe you have the power and you have faith in in that ability, I think that you can cleanse and shift the energies. And I think by being sensitive and recognizing when those energies are out of balance is a gift and needed in the world because there are a lot of places that need cleansing and a lot of people that should be in power to know that they can shift that energy as one person here in the earthly realm with the assistance of higher vibrational beings and spirit guides and the light. Yes. And I'd like to throw in that there are places where bad things have happened that anyone that's empathic might pick up on. And then also it's a a personal preference thing. And, And like Jude said, something that you've gone through in past lives, I went to Italy with a friend and she's extremely psychic as well. And we went to a lot of museums and old churches and cool things. And, you know, we'd walk into a building and I would be like, oh, hell no. I'll wait for you outside. And I would turn around and leave where she would just be loving that space. And then later on, we'd go to another space where she would suddenly feel ill and negative where I would be thriving. So we're all personally triggered by things. And then there are negative energies out there that many people pick up on. It may not even be a whole house. It might be a corner of a house or a room. For me, I'm always curious. I like to ask, what the hell is this? Why am I feeling this way? Where is this coming from? But if you're not feeling strong enough to do that, or that's not your thing, just protecting yourself, like you said, raising your vibration and taking control over your own personal well-being and emotional well-being and not letting anything have too much of an effect on you. Empowerment. Or simply just don't go back. (laughs) Yeah, that too. Um, I also think there's something with that level of sensitivity, as I was explaining earlier about being more in that specific frequency. If you're in phase with a specific frequency, things feel more solidified to you. So just because it affects you in that way does not mean it's going to affect everybody else. I think it'll affect other people who are not as sensitive for sure. It just might not have as deep of an impact as somebody who's really open and very sensitive. So here's a question, which can be a touchy topic to some people. So they stated, I was raised in a very religious Baptist church and taught to pray to Jesus. My beliefs have changed and I want to speak or pray to spirit and my spirit guides. How do I do that? When I try, I find myself falling back into praying to Jesus. My feeling on this is... I, okay, I'll just start off by saying personally, I believe in Jesus. I believe in Christ. I've had some very powerful and potent experiences with that specific energy. And I know not everybody has. And I think people get surprised by that with me specifically because of the work that I do. And it seems so, so the antithesis of like a a religious construct But I also feel Ganesha energy, and I've definitely felt, you know, Oshun energy and other deities of different cultures. I believe there's truth in all of those conscious forms, but doesn't necessarily mean that everybody is going to connect with every single one. And it doesn't mean it's wrong if you don't connect with certain ones. 
So on one hand, I would say like, there's no shame in feeling connected to something that you were grown up with, unless it conjures bad feelings for you, or you're feeling really off about it. Just because you're opening up spiritually in new ways doesn't mean you have to completely drop off anything that was part of your life in a spiritual way prior. You could just be opening up the doors for more things to experience. I just feel like I just want to tell this person, whoever you may be, that it's okay, that it's okay to still be into Christ and it's okay to be into other deities and goddesses and spirit forms. It's okay. There's no right or wrong way to do something. And if maybe that block that I'm picking up is, is the fact that you feel so strongly that you need to push away this other one in order to embrace the new. Patty, do you have anything that you would like to say? I would just like to say that whether it's a god, a goddess, a deity, regardless of how it's labeled or where it came from, if it feels like it's something that helps you expand spiritually and it feels positive, then you should go with it. And what I would like to say to this person personally is that maybe the reason why Jesus keeps showing up in your life is that maybe you and he are supposed to establish a new relationship. Maybe you're supposed to see him in a different way. Maybe there's a new understanding there. So rather than trying to move away from it, I would invite it in and ask questions and say, why do you keep showing up? Am I supposed to see you in a different light than I was raised? Or do you have some new information for me that I haven't learned? So I would explore that more rather than fighting it. And as long as something feels positive and it feels helpful and in alignment with your higher good and your higher self, then I don't feel like there's any reason to try to skirt away from it. I and, love and that. Thank you. And it, and kind of in alignment with what Jude was saying too is, you know, maybe Jesus was the connection to spirituality with you the way you were raised and it's still helping you there. So maybe he helps open that portal and will lead you to connections with other spiritual beings in the future. I love that. The next question is what kind of spiritual shift is happening now and what do you see in the future for Gaia? So obviously this is a topic that I've been thinking about a lot. And I have some pretty strong opinions or viewpoints on what I think is happening, but do I think it's absolute? And am I trying to convince everybody to adopt my point of view? Definitely not. I think that there's no way for any one person to really know exactly where things are going. But having said that, I will share the trend in which I feel like things are moving is in a more positive space. And you got to look at what's happening in the way of a microcosm and a macrocosm. And I compare it to any healing process. They're always sticky. They're always dark. You don't transcend or elevate or learn without going through this really murky process first. Think about any minor shift into a positive spectrum that you've taken in your personal life. There had to be some unfolding of deeper truths or deeper awareness that needed to happen. And going through that process of self-forgiveness or forgiveness of others or just recognizing patterns within ourselves and facing those or breakups or anything that we go through, there's always some deeper, darker underbelly that needs to happen. Some call these the dark night of the soul. And so globally in a collective way, it's like we're all going through that same thing. And it's the same process, like healing 
is not just this gentle thing that happens. I mean, think about being sick. If we got food poisoning, we're puking our brains out and we're on the toilet and we're moaning and groaning. I mean, all of it in any healing process when we are trying to unwield dark, dense, sick, unhealthy, unbalanced energy of any kind is going to be unpleasant. And so all of the things that we're seeing globally around the planet, yes, with COVID, with Black Lives Matter, with even the Me Too movement, all of these things that are happening are part of that sludge of our collective consciousness that is working its way out. And it's ugly to experience, but this is all part of that process that gets us into a place of clarity about who we are, what we stand for, and what outdated mindsets that we needed to release in order to usher our way into a brighter future. And also our whole technology, everything is changing. Information is moving very quickly. And I believe that we're embracing a more technologically harmonious relationship with the planet where the technology we've had up to this point is so gluttonous and consuming and disjointed from the the health of Gaia, of the health of the planet. And so as our technology improves, we're becoming more efficient, more sustainable. And I, for one, I know that a lot of people want to like skirt away from technology, but I see that there is potential in, in that making us as human beings on this earth more efficient and, and being able to live more in harmony with the planet if we embrace it. So we're kind of in this like weird in-between phase, that transition point where everything's moving out of an old way into a new way. And the whole planet, our whole consciousness, all of humanity is being sieved right now. And all of that murky stuff is being weeded out and it's going to collect. And as it's collecting into that concentrated ball, we're really looking it in the face and it is really rearing its ugly head at us. And that's part of the process. But then we get to lift it off and send it off into a light in whatever way that's going to happen. I don't know. I do feel like big shifts are happening. I feel like the world as we know it or have known it prior to this point will never be the same. I feel like we're going into a new place that is exciting and unknown. And with that, there is some level of anxiety that comes up with not knowing where we're going, but it all comes back down to the spiritual practice of just trusting in the flow and trusting in the process and being in the moment and being in the now and just hold that space and keep your vibration high. And I just feel like it's definitely going somewhere amazing. What that looks like specifically, I can speculate all day long. <laughs> I have my ideas, but at the very least, I think it's taking us into a positive place. That was great, Jude. I, I really like your metaphor of being sick or having the flu. And I fully agree with you. It's one of those things where you can't simultaneously ignore something and heal from it. And I believe that we are all shifting into a higher dimensional reality and that we had to face some of our darker sides. Some of the things that have been swept under the rug needed to come out so that it could be revealed, seen, and healed. And I believe that we are shifting into a higher space. It's just coming kind of painfully at the moment. And I believe that we have such a symbiotic relationship with Mother Earth that as we heal and move into a higher dimension, she will also heal and her frequency will rise. And 
right now while she's in a little bit of a break to heal and catch her breath and she's healing from pollution and all the things that humans have done to her during our time out, that healing is also having a healing effect on us. So while it's hard to trust and stay positive, I'm trying my best. And if you can try to hang on there, that's great. And I, again, I love that metaphor of the stomach flu. That just is perfect. Thank you for that. All right. The next question is a good one. I have heard that everyone is psychic and you just need to be trained in how to use it. Is that true or a scam? If I take classes, I want to make sure I could actually be successful in learning to hear, see, feel, or perhaps get to the Akashic Records. All of my methods have failed. Okay. I believe that everyone is psychic, depending on how many incarnations you have had, depending on what your purpose, your path, and your goal is in this life, has a huge effect on how easily that comes in and how you utilize that. I don't believe that anybody can be trained to be a psychic. No, I think some people, that's just their path in this life, and that's why it comes easier to them than others. However, I do believe that you can find a good teacher that can help you connect with your own personal gifts, can help you have a greater understanding and respect for how you yourself perceive things. And when you go into a class wanting to reach a specific goal, while it's good to set an intention, I think you have to be a little more open. You know, spiritual awakening is not an ABC, one, two, three, achieve this, then you get to go the Kashuk record thing. It's a chance to explore and really connect deeply with your higher self. And I think that that is the goal that we should set for classes that we take in the future. I think we need to be very intuitive with who we choose to mentor us and who we choose to take classes with. I don't think you should just get on the internet and find somebody and sign up for a class. I think you should make sure that you have a connection with them and that you intuitively believe that they are here to serve your higher self and to assist you here. And if your methods have failed, I would say that you might want to go into it in a little bit of a different way, that asking spirit to bring a teacher to you, manifesting that might be the way to go rather than going in with a high expectation on outcome and being disappointed. I love all of that, Patty. I think I'd like to add that I loved your little, the ABCs and one, two, threes of being psychic, (laughs) that it's not a bing, bang, boom kind of thing. My feeling is, is a lot of people see these like external avenues and directions as to these are the things you do to be psychic. And all of those things are valuable and useful. But to me, in order to elevate your ability to perceive and be intuitive, it's really about doing the internal work. It's about the personal journey. And if energy is not flowing and firing off correctly and in the places that it needs to be, you're not going to be as open or as intuitive. And my feeling on a personal note towards Patty is that she incarnated, she's a very high vibrational being and she incarnated with, with, <laughs> with, a, with a really amazing level of alignment. Like her energy field to me looks like an amazing geometric matrix. I've tried to describe it to her multiple times, but I feel like that is why she has this level of clarity and like direct knowing. It's just the way I see energy moving through her. And from a personal standpoint, I can tell you that I was one of those people who had like a crack in my 
energy field. So I was seeing a whole bunch of everything and it was driving me crazy for like a long time. And it made me question my sanity. And over the years, I had to do the internal work and the healing to heal those cracks and heal those spaces to get the energy to run smoother so I could have control over the things that I was seeing. And I could get information in a linear way rather than being bombarded with it from every angle and not knowing what to do with it. Now, those people who are like feeling totally blocked, like I'm not seeing anything, I get no intuitive hits, then there's probably a block there in your internal space. There's something going on at a personal level. So rather than looking for these external answers to, well, I'm doing the one, two, threes and ABCs and it's not working for me, perhaps there's something happening within your soul that needs to be resolved or worked out. But I do believe everybody has the ability to enhance their intuition and psychic ability. I agree with Patty, not everybody is meant to be a psychic or maybe like a career psychic, but I believe everybody has an opportunity to advance themselves in that intuitive space. And what level you get to is really personal to you. So if you are somebody who's having trouble discovering your own personal blocks, maybe go see a psychic. Uh, somebody like me or Patty might be able to help pinpoint to you where you need to be focusing on a personal note on what blocks need to be removed in order to get the energy flowing so you can heighten your intuitive sense. Yep, that's great. Thank you so much for that question. And don't give up. Maybe instead of efforting, you could try to invite it in. And that's a better way of manifesting. Okay, next question. I have a question about pesky entities overtaking divinity tools. My deceased father has taken over my pendulum and will not allow me to talk to my guides. I have heard you talk of deceased loved ones and dark entities. What if they are one and the same and how do I clear that? It would take some level of intuitive understanding to know if the dark entity is one and the same with your deceased loved one. Just because somebody was good to you in life does not mean they had their own personal issues that may have kept them in an earth-bound state and may be keeping them locked in a lower vibration when they are out of their body. That very well could be. It could be a dark entity as well. And dark entities are tricky and sometimes they like to pretend that they are things that they are not. So as Patty always comes back to is ask questions look for clarity on that. It could be any of those things. If you're feeling like it's your father, though, I mean, maybe they're just really desperate for you to connect with them directly and help them move on into a brighter light. Rather than just ignoring the fact that you're feeling a spirit or perhaps your father or other connected to your tools, rather than trying to just cast them off, maybe they'd want attention. Maybe they want help. So how I would do it if I was perceiving that to happen, and I feel like there has been at least one or two times that this has happened to me in, in some similar fashion or another, that I would have to just take a pause and just acknowledge whatever entity I felt like was around and deal with it accordingly. And my advice with that is always to come with loving kindness and understanding, because a lot of the times that's what spirits just want. 
is acknowledgement to feel like a human again or feel worthy again. Because a lot of the times when they're in that earthbound state, they can feel lost and nobody's paying attention to them and it's very isolating and very depressing for them. So that would be one avenue on how to deal with that. And of course, there are many methods to cleaning your tools, burying them, salt, salt water, ocean water, visualizing light, essential oils, smudges, sprays. There's all kinds of things that could work. And if none of those things are working, perhaps the next level is to simply get rid of the tool and just start over. (laughs) (laughs) Patty, what are your thoughts on that? I have a couple different things to say about this. First of all, I don't know what your relationship was with your father when he was alive, but if him being around is not comfortable to you, I would send him away and ask him to come back when he's moved to a higher place or can connect in a more positive way. You know, Jude is pretty bold in connecting with spirits and helping people cross over. That's something she's great at. If that's something you're not comfortable with, I just don't want you to feel like it's your responsibility to help someone cross over. So if it feels negative, then I get rid of it and block it. That's just who I am. I don't like dealing with anything that doesn't feel good. The other thing is boundaries. And I've talked about my dad in past episodes where I would go in to visit my father who's passed and he would be so excited to see me that he would be jumping up and down and really kind of a spaz and it would make me very uncomfortable. So I set boundaries that when we visit or when we connect, that he's sitting down in a chair and that he's very calm, cool, and collected. And the minute he gets off of that chair, I come out of the meditation. So it's important to know that you have the right to set boundaries around what you are willing to experience and what you're not willing to experience. So you can help your father cross if you are comfortable with that. And that would be amazing because if he's coming across in a negative way, that tells me right away that he hasn't fully crossed, or you can just tell him come back on a better day, or you can set some really strong boundaries around how you want to connect with him that you may not mess around with my divinity tools. However, I will sit and meditate with you as long as you're positive and kind. What do you think of that, Jude? That was good because I do forget sometimes that people are not as, other people are not as brave and as bold as me. I'm quite comfortable in those realms. But I also want to say if you are using divinity tools, I mean, you kind of got to be ready and open to understand you are using a tool of divination and you are opening up pathways into other dimensions when you do that. So you kind of have to be prepared on some level that you're going to encounter things that may make you uncomfortable. But we always come back to know that you have allies on the other side, your spirit guides, angels, ancestors, and whoever it is that you call upon for more protection. And if you are not ready to deal with the father entity, you can ask the spirits, your spirit guides to assist in gently making space. I just really can't stress enough because I've learned this the hard way to not cast off spirits in an angry or negative way even the dark ones. It always comes better if you come with a more gentler, nurturing, loving, and compassionate light. It is far more effective than casting off energies that just want to be acknowledged. Good point. Next question. When it is quiet in the morning or the afternoon, and I'm thinking about herbal healings or spirit healings, I get hugging waves going through my body. It feels comfortable and I want to stay in it. 
Sometimes I feel like I can control it and make it come back for a temporary period. Do you think this is my higher self aligning with my true potential, speaking through them? What are some ways I can tap into my purpose and hear what the messages are? I love this. This is amazing. Getting hugs running through you, you know, that's spirit saying, yes, you're definitely in alignment. And I think, you know, we talked earlier about finding your path. If you are thinking about herbal healing and spiritual healing, and that's when you feel really, really good, then that's a sign that those are definitely in alignment with your calling and what you're supposed to be doing in this life. And tapping into that wonderful physical sensation of being hugged is amazing. So rather than trying to control it, I know you said you feel like you can control it and make it come back. I think inviting it in and trying to allow yourself to fall into that space or open to it rather than controlling it would be the way to go. For me, I can fall into the void and it just feels delicious and wonderful and rejuvenating and energizing and purifying. And for me, that's not something I control. It's something that I allow myself to connect with. So for you, I feel like this is a wonderful gift that Spirit's giving you and there are messages in it in itself. And so the next part about how can I tap into hearing what those messages are. So when you're feeling those wonderful sensations coming through, I would ask then, can you give me a little more information about what it is I'm feeling? Can you give me a visual? Can you give this to me in words? I would just ask and bask in it. This is amazing. I love it. Yeah, super cool. And this might be just one of those times where somebody just wants to know they're not going crazy. <laughs> and they just like, yes, it is a thing. This is a thing. That's what it feels like when you are getting into alignment with your higher purpose and spirit is trying to validate for you that you are on the path or you're doing something that is potentially going to be a big part of where you're going in life. It will feel very exhilarating and it just feels like being aligned, aligned with a very high vibration, whether it feel like hugs or warmth or giddiness or joy or whatever it may be, any of those positive feelings, you just can't go wrong. And if anything, and they are absolutely your higher self and or spirit telling you that you are aligned with your true potential. And as far as like tapping into that purpose and hearing what the messages are, sometimes to me, the messages come in what's just simply unfolding in our life and knowing how to look for the signs. We don't always just get a verbal sentence that says, do this or do that or go here or try this. A lot of the times what I get is that I just see patterns like, oh, that's a coincidence that showed up again, or this is nudging me in some certain way, or that's the third time I heard somebody talk about that this week. Maybe I should be paying attention to that. So sometimes those messages can come through in different ways. You just have to be willing to pay attention to those patterns as they're coming in. I think that they often come in in ways of serendipity and coincidence, or at least that's the way they come in for me. But sometimes some things can just stand out at you, or you just get a chill, or you just get a vibe that just resonates with you in that same way, like a warm hug. You hear somebody say something, and I say pay attention to it that very well may be the message. Nice. 
Uh, so next question is, what do you think about having a strong emotional reaction with specific feelings when you visit a place you've never been before? Let me tell you that this is something that happens to me every so often, and it is like one of the most profoundly amazing experiences that I have. It's definitely in my top 10 kind of phenomenon that happens to me when I go to a place and I am just flooded with this rush of either memories or emotions or feelings and just this deep knowing that I have been to this place before. It's one of the most phenomenal feelings I've ever had and I've been lucky enough to have a handful of experiences in my life where that has happened. I think that's definitely a thing, especially if you're a soul who's incarnated many, many times on earth. And even if you are somebody who's only incarnated a few times, I think it's super common for souls to revisit places that they've already been before. Why not? Just like in 3D life, if you're in the neighborhood to an old house, why wouldn't you drive by the old house and just take a look at it? I think as souls, we do that. Um, it's happening unconsciously, but maybe we know a, a soul we're familiar with is right around the corner and we just want to stop by and, and catch eyes and say hi really quick and never see that person again. These reoccurrences with familiar people and familiar places are always happening. I think it's definitely a thing. When it, Patty, great. I know you've had those experiences too, for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, de I definitely have. It's definitely a thing. I don't feel like it's coincidental. I feel like there are things that lead us to places where we've been before to help us heal or to help us remember or to help us align, connect. Um, it's, yeah. I can't even think of a specific instance. I've had so many times when I've been invited somewhere where all of a sudden I just get prickly goosebumps because I know I'm supposed to be there. Sometimes it's extremely emotional. I'll, I'll go someplace and just start crying just because it feels so familiar or it feels so in alignment or, or healing. So definitely, I feel like it's a gift and I feel like we're being called to connect to something deeper when we visit these places. I agree. It is like, as you said, coming into alignment. And I feel like in our present embodiment, the more pieces of ourselves that we are able to collect and the more memories, the more whole we become and the more empowered we become. And we do get into this alignment with those pieces and the attributes, the positive attributes of those lifetimes are coming back to us. And sometimes it's the unhealed parts of those lifetimes that are coming back to us in those moments, but it's giving us an opportunity to work through them and heal. So very powerful. I love those moments. Yeah, good for you. All right. And the next question is, there have been times when I have been compelled by what's happening around me to stop and notice the odd conditions and verbally ask magic to show itself. I ask magic because I don't know what else to call it, but nothing happens and I don't know what to do with that. So I feel like when we have those moments when we're stopped in our tracks or we notice something specific, that is magic. So rather than asking magic to show itself, I feel like magic is showing itself and you are recognizing that. And you know, I joke around that if somebody were to follow me around for a day with a camera, I would look like a total crazy person because I walk through life like, whoa, what was that? 
or like, you know, I'll look at a bird, what, you know, or I'll see a butterfly, you know, grandma's at you. Like I'm always <laughs> talking to things <laughs> throughout the day. I feel like everything has meaning and everything is trying to give me a message or connect. And so I would be like, what am I being shown? Instead of magic show itself, it's like, I'm recognizing you magic. What are you showing me? And sometimes I get answers and sometimes I don't. Sometimes we're supposed to just bask in the moment and just, you know, it's like a little spark of energy coming through and we just kind of recognize it. And if you can just smile about it and recognize it, that's the first step in all those synchronistic things starting to come in much stronger and empathically picking up from energy and information from all of the things around you. Would you agree with that, Jude, or do you see it a little differently? I totally agree. I think that I like your word magic. I know Patty and I often refer to it as spirit. That is our word. Yeah, I think that that's what it is in the moment when you feel that lift, when you feel that shift in the energy, like that's you just connecting and recognizing. And it could be a number of things. Who knows what it is? But it's simply the step of awareness and reveling in the moment and connecting with that and getting familiar and comfortable with it. I think it's really great that that's happening. There may not be anything more than just feeling that shift. Patty and I talk about it every once in a while. We chime in with each other and we just feel like a whoosh or like a, a shift in the frequency and we cannot place when or why or how it's happening, but there's definitely something that's happening energetically. Of course, both of us have been inquisitive enough to wonder and ponder what it might be, but at the same time, sometimes we're just not meant to know. All right. So those are the questions that were sent in other than the questions about ETs. And we're going to head into that right now. One of the reasons why we're kind of separating this out is we have, as I mentioned earlier, have had more than one person say that they felt kind of sick, physically sick and nauseous when they were listening to our episode about ETs. Now, there are a few reasons that this could happen. It just may be a subject that you're not comfortable with. It may be something that you had experience with and it's bringing up some fear or some memories that are frightening. There are, are many reasons why you might feel that way. And you certainly should not force yourself to go through something that's uncomfortable. But if you did have a reaction to this topic, that's something you might want to meditate on and ask about. So Jude, I'm curious what you think about that, first of all, and there's been a lot of releases lately of some visual sightings of UFOs and other things, and so I'd like to hear what your opinions are on that as well. Yeah, I got a message, somebody asking me why would they feel nauseated, and at first I was like, oh my gosh, I felt super bad, but then when I thought about it, I was like, well, I mean, not for nothing, but my personal experience with the ETs were their their energy is so powerful and so intense that in a way it was nauseating for me to experience it. And so maybe in a way that I was kind of channeling and sharing that energy forward, somebody sensitive was picking up on it. Also, I believe that maybe it's just so out of somebody's norm that it challenged their belief system so much and the way their energy is aligned in their belief systems that it was pulling on them too deeply. Or maybe it was, as Patty said, so validating in a deeper sense of something that you know, but just needed 
somebody else to say it. And so it just struck such an intense chord with you. It might have made you feel nauseated. So I apologize to anybody who felt that way. I would like to share, though, I said this during that specific podcast, I was incredibly apprehensive about sharing any of that information publicly. And when Patty and I did that podcast, both of us very strongly felt that it needed to be done immediately. We felt like things in the planet, in the world were shifting and information about ETs and extraterrestrials and UFOs and things were probably about to break open. And so we did that podcast and we were right. More things have been happening. I want to share that the day that the podcast had been released, uh, just a little confession, I had a lot of anxiety about it. And as Patty had stated earlier, I sent her the podcast to listen to it for approval before it gets released. And so I was waiting for her to give me that approval. And I, in the back of my mind, was ready to pull the plug and not even release it. I was like, you know what, either she's not going to like it or no, it's too out there. I don't want to put it out. Well, what happened is it accidentally got released. I had it on a timer and things got behind. And anyways, it had been out for a number of hours before I even realized it and had, you know, hundreds of listens before I even caught it. So I had to just accept that everybody had heard it. It had already been released and um, there was no taking it back at that point. And so as I made that realization, I was actually headed to the beach here on Kauai and I laid out my blanket and I lay down to tan and I look up and there is this middle of the day anomaly in the sky. And I also find it interesting that it was really windy that day. I mean, it was one of those days where you could see the clouds just moving super fast. And there was all these birds that just happened to be flying. And yet there was this object directly above me on the beach that was looked like a star in the middle of the day. And it was dead still, not moving. And I watched it for a minute waiting, like, is this a balloon? Is this a drone, a camera? What could it be? And for a good 20 minutes, it was dead still and didn't move, which made no sense. The birds were flying by. The clouds were constantly moving. I pointed it out to my family, my kids. They, everybody saw it. I was trying to take video of it, but it didn't come out very clear. And at first, everyone was like, oh, maybe it's this, that, or the other. But when it didn't move, we were like, that is strange. Like, why is this thing not moving? And all in one split second, it completely disappeared. Like, we didn't see it move out or travel. It just blipped out. So it was very peculiar. And I felt like in that moment, it was validation or contact in a way that the ETs were just saying, hey, we we heard the podcast and we approve. <laughs> so I'd like to think that that was their way of giving me that message. I'd like to throw in too, Jude, really quickly that even though we did have a few people that were nauseated by it, we had so many people reach out to us and thank us for doing that episode and tell us that it really aligned with them and it really helped them. And we got a lot of positive feedback as well. Yeah. And I am so appreciative of those people who specifically reached out to me because I did have some personal fears come up around it. And I'm really happy to hear that other people had similar experiences or they felt very validated. One of the things that surprised me was the lion-faced ETs that I talked about, which I thought was pretty obscure. And I got more emails about that than any other one. So 
I think it's more common than people even realize, but there are some very, I would say, kind of spiritually elevated, psychic, intuitive people who also have been having those experiences with these lion-faced ETs or higher level beings. I actually did have a very intense healing meditation I'm going to share this. This is maybe TMI, but (laughs) I was doing some energetic healing with some singing bowls and I was in this meditation. And during the meditation, I've talked about it before. I have this kind of chronic pain in my shoulder stems from many lifetimes and emotional issues and things of that nature. But I had this bowl, somebody was playing it on me over my shoulder. And next thing I know, I was transported to some other place and it was this beautiful like outdoor pillared somewhere between Egyptian looking and Peruvian looking patterns carved into these columns in this kind of like open courtyard. And my shoulder was throbbing, hurting. And as this person was playing this bowl, this lion faced ET kind of jumped on me and kind of made energetic love to me, I guess is the way you can say, but it wasn't in the sensual way in the physical human body. It was more um, sensual in my heart, which was very healing. And it helped uh, break open that blockage in my shoulder and opened it up. And my shoulder has felt phenomenal since that day. And this was about, I don't know, a week or so after we had released that podcast. And then I was telling one of my girlfriends about it. I was like, this lion-faced ET came and made love to me and healed my shoulder. And then she was like, oh, so you did have sex with an alien, as Patty asked you. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. I was like, it happened. And uh, so it was just kind of funny because these podcasts, in some way, there's always this level of synchronicity that lines up. Because when Patty asked that question to me in that podcast, I was embarrassed. I was like, hell no, Patty. No, never. <laughs> And then it literally happened like the next week and it was very healing and wonderful. So I did want to share a couple things. So last week, I think it was about last week, I had come across this documentary. I think I saw it on Amazon Prime called Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind. And I think everybody should watch this. I watched it and I was like goosebumps the entire time. I felt so validated. I felt like the person who was in the documentary, everything he said and how he described it was exactly how I had my own personal experiences. And I've never really heard anybody talk about it in that way before um, with the exception of this. And then I immediately sent it over to Patty. I was like, you got to watch this. And Patty, what did you think about it? I thought it was wonderful. Really good. My whole family watched it and I didn't know how my family would respond, but we all really enjoyed it and thought it was great. Yeah. When I watched it, I was like, everybody needs to watch this. So I'm just putting it out there. If you haven't seen it, can rent it. And it's Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind. I think they categorize the different encounters. And the fifth kind is when humans actually reach out and make contact with the ETs. And it's very compelling. So I just want to say, watch it. And the other interesting thing that happened on the 24th of July was that the Pentagon official released an official statement to the public saying that they had retrieved an off-world vehicle not made of this earth, which to me was just like, what? That is the most profound statement that has ever been said by a government official 
in a public way, as far as I'm concerned. And I was completely blown away by this news. I'm surprised it hasn't gotten that much attention. I think it's maybe because people are overwhelmed in the world with so many other things and that they haven't actually like released what it is that they found. And maybe people are just waiting to see exactly what it is. But quite simply that that statement was even made just is so validating to me in the way that I see things are going with extraterrestrials and UFOs and um, what that means for the future of this planet. And I also want to say that, was it like about a month ago, the government released that UFO footage? Because you sent that to me. Yeah, I think within a month. Yeah. The government said they had a UFO footage. I'm sure a lot of you have seen it. That is released. And then a month later, they make an official statement. So I'm kind of excited about what's going to unfold here in the news. Like that to me is huge. They've never publicly said something like that. It was in the New York Times and reported on the news. I think aliens are getting ready to come and present themselves and be seen a little more clearly. And I think the government probably knows that and is kind of easing us into that and helping us prepare. And I would like to say that when we did our ET episode, I mentioned the plane that I had seen during the day. It looked like a plane, but it had two sets of wings. And one of our listeners actually contacted me and let me know that she had seen the exact same vessel that she described it exactly the same. It was during the day. It was really low and huge, but going at a really slow rate of speed. So it's so lovely to get validation. And I know that's what Jude and I hope to do for you, but we love it when we get validation from you as well. That was really cool. And then Jude, I want to share really quick. I don't know if I I even told you about this. So Jude turned me on to that movie, The Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind. And this Dr. Greer, he takes people out and he has methods that he walks people through, kind of almost like a guided meditation that helps them go from their head into more of a heart-centered space. And then you follow these certain guidelines to bring alien ships or aliens in. And I had gone to a bonfire to um, meditate under the comet, but it was totally foggy that night and we couldn't see the comet. And I was with several girlfriends. I was telling them about this movie and telling them they should watch it. And, and I was saying, we should totally try this. And a a few women were like, yeah. And a few were like, hell no. (laughs) So, um, after that, we, we ended up doing a meditation that was a very heart opening meditation. And I think me kind of opening that door and going into this heart opening meditation that I really felt a presence around us. And we were outside late at night It was extremely foggy, and I just felt something behind me hanging out with me, and I could not get rid of it, of that sensation, and I had a little bit of a, I'll go ahead and say a little bit of a mini anxiety attack, because I feel like I opened that door and something came in, and then at one point, I heard laughing and watch what you ask for, so, (laughs) yeah. After I watched it, I told Patty, I was like, I'm surprised we've never tried this before. Like, I've never tried that. I still haven't tried it. And I'm waiting to make some time to go out and try a meditation on my own. But I told Patty, I can't wait till we get together. I want to try this and see if we can. I don't um, know that you need to try it. You do nothing and they come to Yeah, you. I know. But like, it'd be kind of cool to be able to will it to happen. You know, I'm like, how have I never tried this before? You know, once I watched it, it seems so like matter of fact. I also wanted to share too, is one of my friends after listening to that podcast. So her father apparently worked with a guy who apparently was an ET and drew him a picture of a spaceship back in the seventies. 
And yeah, and he had kept the picture the entire time. And so he sent me a snapshot of the original photo of the drawing that the supposed ET that he worked with drew. And it was pretty cool. It looked kind of like a Star Wars ship, like battleship. But this drawing was made years before Star Wars came out. And it was like very much just like a Star Wars ship, which was pretty cool. I may be able to talk to her father at some point because I want to know the backstory. I'm like, I need to know everything. I need to know all the details. (laughs) But I mean, it must have made an impression on him that he's kept it, what, 50 years now we're saying? 50 years he's kept that photo. So Nice. All right. Well, I think that is it for this podcast episode. And I just wanted to thank everybody out there for allowing us to share our views and our opinions and our experiences with you. And we've got such amazing feedback. And the fact that we've had over 31,000 downloads is such amazing validation. And we really love our listeners and appreciate you all so much. And um, just wanted to thank you for everything that you've done for us. Yes, totally. And I just want to say when Patty and I started this podcast, we weren't really sure how long we would do it and how far it would go. But to see that your support has carried us through the year and that we still have more topics that we look forward to sharing with you that haven't been spoken of yet, it's just really shows you what the power of this relationship between us and you are. And so we're eternally grateful for your support. We really love sharing this. We really love that we are able to help people. Our next podcast is going to be about Lemurians. So I hope you all are excited about that. It's a really amazing story. I feel like we're going to start getting into some real weird things (laughs) in these next few podcasts. Uh, You can reach out to us through our website, spiritspeakerspodcast.com. There's links to both Patty and me to our personal websites, and you can submit questions or sign up for a newsletter. We hope after COVID, after we move through the quarantine phase, that there will be some things that Patty and I will be able to do, some functions and retreats and so on and so forth. So you may want to be signed up for our newsletter. So thank you for listening once again. Until next time, aloha. Take care.